What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Then and Now Sports Podcast. James and Nick back here with another big day because we have the NFL football season kicking off. But before that, what's going on, Nick? I'm in a bad mode. <laughs> I just got done watching Mike Mayock's 22nd press conference. And to say the least, I'm not that thrilled. But we're going to talk about some, some nicer things before we get to that. So maybe, maybe that'll help it out a little bit. Well, we got football back today, so that should at least lighten your mood up a little bit. The Packers and Bears play later tonight. But before that, this past weekend, we also had football. It was in the college section where it was a lot of chalk this weekend, to be honest. If you were a betting man, you probably won big on these games if you just bet the favorites. There were no real big upsets anywhere except for, I think the biggest one was Tennessee losing to Georgia State, the FCS school. But they weren't even a ranked team, Tennessee, and there wasn't much expectations for them. So I, I don't think that class, I, it definitely classifies as an upset, but, you know, I don't know if it's anything huge. The one game I did want to talk about, though, was Oregon versus Auburn, which is, these are two, at the time, they were both top 16 teams. Oregon was 11 and Auburn was 16. So what were your takeaways from this game? This was a pretty tightly contested game for the most part, and then Auburn runs away with it late in the fourth quarter. My main takeaway was with the reaction afterward, afterwards, particularly w- when it comes to the two QBs and their performances, Bo Nix and Justin Herbert. Um, when talking about their performances, there was a lot of praise for Bo Nix, and rightfully so, that because it was his first game at this stage, and he, he led the, the game-winning drive late in the fourth quarter. So he deserves credit there. But outside of that, it wasn't that stellar of a performance. Not to take away from anything else he did during that game. But I only say this because in comparison to the reaction to Justin Herbert, it it, it just seemed crazy to me because people acted like Justin Herbert like put up this horrible performance when he had a pretty good game. And that was the storyline going into the um the game anyway. Like the the storyline was okay. You have Oregon's high powered offense led by Justin Herbert, and against Auburn's defense, which is among the top in the nation. So and, and the whole storyline was like, okay, who's who's going to be able to keep up with each other more, and, and come out on top, Oregon's offense or Auburn's defense? And then after the game, it just seemed like that whole narrative was taken away and substituted with Justin Herbert's a horrible QB. I I feel bad for whoever's going to draft him. And that was just strange to me. So, yeah, I'm still a big Bo Nix fan, by the way. I really hope he does well. I like his story about how he was at the championship game eight years ago, Oregon versus Auburn, and he was just a young fan in the stands. Now he's at this level playing at beating top teams in the country. So, yeah, I really like that about him. I hope he does well, and don't hate on Justin Herbert too much, just based on a performance that wasn't even that bad. Well, it is pretty interesting. This guy goes to the national championship game, and then his first college game is against Oregon. That's that's pretty cool. But outside of that, it wasn't really a cool performance, I think. 13 for 31, it's, it's rough to look at. And even in that last drive, he was missing on some throws. But at the end, like like you said, you can't really take much away from him because in the second half, 
he pulled up with two touchdowns, and he's he made that game-winning touchdown with about 10 seconds left. And you can't really ask for much else if your defense is going to keep you in the game. And Oregon's offense just got stagnant in the fourth quarter. They really couldn't do much of anything. Herbert takes a sack late in the, I think their last drive it was. He takes a big sack, and they just can't bounce back from it, and they don't get the ball back till but there's about 10 seconds left. So Auburn does a good job of controlling the tempo and the clock. But I don't think this performance is indicative about what Justin Herbert could do. He actually had an okay game. He got off to a good start, and the offense just couldn't finish. So it, it hurts to lose this way, but I don't think Oregon should be that discouraged. I did think that if there was any team that could come out of the Pac-12 and be a, a college football playoff contender, it was Oregon. So no doubt this loss really does hurt them and their ch- any chances they, they have. They're going to have to go on a pretty crazy run to if they want to look get past this loss. But at the end of the day, Auburn's defense really showed up in the second half. The fourth quarter, they give up zero points and they keep getting punts and turnovers on downs. I think a big part that happened was when Oregon goes for it on fourth down, but Justin Herbert had to come out because he got injured. I don't know if it was a head head injury or something but he had to come out so they end up running the ball they lose a yard and on fourth and one and they they give the ball back to Auburn and giving them all the momentum so Oregon I don't it's not like their season's over they played against a good team but losing an early season game in which you got off to a after the first quarter you're leading 14 to 3 it it definitely stings so getting getting past that uh like I said, pretty chalk weekend in college. Uh, I wanted to bring up, I know it's way too early to be doing this, but there are Heisman candidates. Every All the big Heisman candidates played this weekend. I just want to see who do you think had the best performance out of all these you know top college football stars? Who do you think that started off the, the season in like a really dominant fashion? I think the, um, the obvious answer is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, like, there weren't many questions about him going into the season. It was just mostly anticipation about what he would be able to do in this Oklahoma offense. And I think once you saw him play, you saw the answer to that question and it met expectations and maybe even surpassed them. That combination with C.D. Lamb is going to be deadly throughout the season. And Houston's not a bum team. Out of like the teams that the top teams were facing, this like like Ala Clemson and Alabama, I think I think I think this team had the um the toughest competition like in this game. And, and that's not saying much. Like the Houston this year isn't that like that high of a caliber of a team. So but I still think the performance is worth noting. And I think that Jalen Hurts really set the tone for the rest of the season and really showed what can happen with his, with his dynamicism in, um, in this offense. I, I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see some games against Texas. Those are going to be great. And I think Oklahoma is definitely worthy of that top four spot they hold right now. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime you... Go 20 for 23. It's impressive no matter who you play. So Hurts definitely balled out this weekend. But, I mean, my guy Jonathan Taylor is just proving that he is the best running back in the nation. 
in the nation, in the college football nation, that has is pretty stacked at running back. You have guys like Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, uh, Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. There are a lot of talented running backs in college football right now, and I think Jonathan Taylor is clearly ahead of everyone. You talk about a four-touchdown performance with 135 yards on only 16 carries, and he had both of his receptions went for touchdowns. Now, if I could put this in perspective a little bit, he only had eight receptions each of the past two years. And in one game, he gets two of them back and gets two touchdowns out of them. So if this means that he's going to start to be a problem in the receiving game, it's really over for a a lot of these Big Ten defenses. This guy is going to go off this year. He has a great offensive line in front of him. If his quarterback can hold up and stay productive... I don't see a reason why Wisconsin can't like compete for a top four spot. They've always had a stout defense, and now you bring him. In my opinion, he's the second best player in the country. I I just think he's a stud, and I think he's gonna get garner some really serious Heisman talk more as the season goes on. Can't disagree with you there. So I I think we're. I know it's a little short on college. We'll probably try to get into more stuff next week, but we have a big NFL preview to get to. But before that, uh, some college games this weekend that we're probably going to end up talking about for the next podcast. Texas A&M at Clemson next yeah. Saturday at 3.30. That's going to be a huge game. And then, of course, at night, 7.30, LSU at Texas. And That's going to be like, a crazy game. I've That's said on previous game. podcasts, I've said if you read my article on the website, that I think that game is extremely important for the college football playoff race. And this is, it's going to be a monster game. You have stars all over the field on this game and they're going to need to show up because both teams need this game. If they, cause they're both going to play tougher game. Now, I don't know if they're going to play tougher teams, but they're going to play equally caliber teams. LSU still has another game against Alabama. Texas still has possibly two games against Oklahoma if all goes right for them. So they both of these teams need this game and it even got some other some Pac twelve games that are pretty important that they start a conference play a little bit this weekend. Cal plays Washington, Stanford plays USC. So a lot I, the season is going to start picking up week two and we'll definitely get into more stuff next week. But it is time for us to preview, which we should have been previewed this by now, but you know, it's better late than never. So we're going to go with the NFL preview, and there's so much to talk about with this season. Of course, Nick brought up the fact before that AB has is, is gone through a huge, uh, even more controversy just today. But before we get into all that stuff, let's Disgusting. do a little... <laughs> let's, let's talk about some uh some things we think are going to happen this season. One of these is which if you can think of one player who is going to break out, who is, you know, it's been a a solid player of potential and who out of those players you think are going to take the next step and break out in 2019. I think this is Hunter Henry's year. I really I really think that this year they need Hunter Henry the most this year with Melvin Gordon out. Their defense has has been hurt with the loss of Derwin James. They're gonna need some offensive firepower to um to keep up with the um the rest of the AFC West and the rest of the NFL. And I think 
Hunter Henry, we've seen when he's healthy, he's a really solid tight end with the talent to make that next step into like an elite tight end. But the problem is he never plays because of injuries. Now, if Hunter Henry can stay healthy, I think his role in the off in the Chargers offense is going to be super important this year. And they're going to need to utilize him a lot more in other in order to keep up with some of these other high-powered offenses in the AFC. So, yeah, I, I got Hunter Henry as my breakout player of the year, if he stays healthy. So, our picks are going to conflict with each other, which means one of us is going to be wrong, because I have someone on the exact same team, Nick. And wow. Oh, I not, know who it is. Not in the tight end department, but the wide receiver department, who's going to take up some targets from Hunter Henry. I'm going with Mike Williams from Clemson. Past couple of years, he's been with the Chargers, and it hasn't been much, to be honest. Last year was his, his semi-breakout season. He goes for 664 yards and 10 touchdowns, which is 10 touchdowns is really impressive and 43 receptions. But I feel like last year he didn't get the targets. You know, he, they still had Tyrell Williams there, and they just weren't ready to fully commit to Mike Williams as their second target. 66 targets last year. I, I think if that number goes up to the 85, 90, even maybe 100, if they think he can surpass Keenan Allen, watch out for Mike Williams to completely go crazy this year. 6'4", 220. He's got the size to do it. And he's he's got the breakaway speed. I just I love everything I've seen about Mike Williams since Clemson. I thought he was one of the best players on those at that national championship team with Deshaun Watson. And I think that now Philip Rivers is going to want to lean on him more because, listen, Keenan Allen had a bit of inconsistency to start last season. If Keenan Allen starts out that same way this year, I think Rivers is going to look more to Mike Williams and say, hey, you're, you're the former, what was it, the fifth or sixth pick in the draft? Like, we need you to step up this year. And I think Mike Williams has all the tools to step up this year. And I think he's going to add to a pretty deadly uh, passing attack from the Chargers. Yep. So, if we can get into the next category that we planned on talking about, we're going to slide away from players and go on to teams that we think will make the biggest improvement. So, who's your pick for that category, Nick? I, I'm going with the Jags. Um, I think Nick Foles is a great improvement from Blake Bortles. I think he's going to do wonders for not, not just being like this this super, like, this super talented QB that's gonna that's gonna like you know carry them to the playoffs or whatever. No, I think he's gonna be very good at managing that offense and making sure that the ball gets to where it needs to go with little turnovers. And when you have a defense at the calibers of uh, at the at the Jags's caliber, like that that's all you really need. And along with a great running game with um Leonard Fournette. I think all they need is someone to supplement that and not not carry them, but but ease with them along the way so they can have smooth sailing to a playoff run. I think that's that's the perfect role for Nick Foles on the Jags. So I'm going to have a team that really shouldn't even need to be in this category because of the guy they have leading the charge, but they're in it. I'm going to pick the Green Bay Packers. And I think they have finally fixed the defense. 
I think the defense is going to come out tonight against the Bears and really impress a lot of people. You get guys like Adrian Amos, Zadarius Smith, uh, Preston Smith as well. These are guys, you got two pass rushers in the Smiths. Adrian Amos is going to be uh, the deep safety. And then they even drafted uh, Darnell Savage. Actually, Darnell Savage is going to be the deep safety. Adrian Amos is more in the box kind of player. And then even Rashawn Gary, who is going to help this pass rush. I feel like this pass rush is going to be a legitimate problem in the NFC North in which they have to go up against Khalil Mack. And even the Lions front seven is very stout. So I think the Packers have the, the tools to compete with these teams. And then what sets them apart is Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers had, I thought he, Aaron Rodgers had a good season last year. Maybe not to the caliber of what we expect from Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, he threw two interceptions the entire season last year. Like, Aaron Rodgers is ready to Don't make me talk he, about Aaron Rodgers for five minutes because when you say that two interception, like, like, stat, like, I, I value no interceptions, like, above all. And that's just so crazy that he only has two. Now, you know why a lot of people try to criticize that, actually, and say, oh, well, he throws up the ball way too much. And... I, I guess you can argue maybe you don't want him throwing the ball away that much, but give me a thrown away ball instead of an interception any day of the week. Now, I guess the counter to that is, hey, Aaron Rodgers is talented enough where he can fit the ball into a tight window and he doesn't need to necessarily throw away. He should shoot his shot and try to make a big play out of nothing. But I think that's a little ridiculous to expect. I think we should expect efficiency and you know quarterbacks to make the right play. And Aaron Rodgers has shown that he does that on a regular basis. And obviously, 2017, he got injured. So that kind of stunted their push there. Last year, there wasn't really any excuses last year. They lost some tough games. They lost That Rams game, I think, I guess mentally kind of shot them down. And then, of course, they lose to the Cardinals at home, which is an embarrassing loss. But I think the Packers, with the defense and Aaron Rodgers, they also, they're going to bring Aaron Jones in now, who is was never given the opportunity to be like a three down back. He had to split carries a lot, but I think Aaron Jones is a really good player who's going to step out as well. You, Of course, Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league. There's a lot to like about this Packers team, and I think they're going to take the next step, and Aaron Rodgers is going to get back to the playoffs, and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs is not a guy I would want to see if I was an opposing team. I agree with that. You, you already know what I think about Aaron Rodgers, so. Yeah. Well, now, on the flip side, let's go with teams who we think are going to make the biggest drop and fall off, maybe potentially even out of the playoffs if they were in it last year. So who's your choice for that? It's a team we mentioned earlier. I, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I mean, wow, Melvin, we both we both got guys that are going to break out, that we think are going to break out on the Chargers, and you think this is the year they fall off? Yep. And, but like, okay, it's easy to say, okay, Hunter Henry is going to try to compensate for the, the, like the hole filled by Melvin Gordon. Like, like I could say that, but that's not easy at all. And even if he tries, if they try to compensate through other players, that doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily successful. Those players can find success without the overall team finding the same success that they did last year with these key pieces in place. So, yeah, I I just think the losses of Melvin Gordon and Derwin James, I think the Chargers defense is going to be still going to be solid. I think the 
the Chargers offense is still going to be decent, but it's not going to be any with, without these two key pieces. These are star players. I cannot see them coming up to the same expectations, it, the same expectations that were set from last year. And, and like, yeah, my expectations for them this year have just gone downwards as I've heard of these, um, as I've heard Melvin Gordon and Derwin James going down. So, so yeah, I'm going with the Chargers. Well, I, I want to disagree with you there, but the, the offensive line is also a little bit suspect. And I, the injuries are definitely going to hurt. Derwin James was one of the, in his first season, became one of the best players there. But it's tough. Losing Melvin Gordon is going to hurt them. But at the same time, I think they have guys. Austin Eckler has always been a solid running back for them. Now he's not going to have the same playmaking ability as Melvin Gordon. But I think he'll be able to be solid. And I guess there'll be a drop-off compared to they went 12-4 and last year. Was it 12-4? and Or 11-5, and one of those. They I had think one it was 11-5. So they have one of the best records in the AFC, and I guess from that standpoint, they're going to fall off. But I think the Chargers are going to compete for a playoff spot, and if they make it, remains to be seen, because I I think there's a lot of teams in the AFC that can sneak in to get a 9-7 and or 10-6, and and I I don't know if I see the Chargers winning 10 games. I could see them being around even the 8-9 win uh, plateau this year. So now, well, my team, I almost skipped my team. I am going to go with the team that is playing tonight, the other team in the NFC North that's playing tonight, the Chicago Bears. Now, I don't want to have to sleep on Khalil Mack and and that a team led by Khalil Mack. It definitely hurts to do that. But I I don't know about this offense, man. I think Mitch Trubisky is a very athletic quarterback. He can make plays on the ground, but I don't know if his decision-making and his accuracy is really going to be effective this season they also don't their weapons they're okay Allen robinson is a solid player trey burton's a solid player the running game is going to be relied on reliant on david montgomery to come in as a third round pick and or was he a second round he was the top third and one of the first three rounds he was drafted and he's going to be relied on to be a pretty big piece of that run game uh, along with Tariq Cohen who's more of a pass cashing back but I just see that offense and I don't see I don't see how it compares to the Packers or Vikings to be honest and the defense is gonna have to lead them to the to the division title or the the wild card but when you play a first place schedule they're gonna have to play the Cowboys the Saints and the Rams this year I don't know if they match up well with any of those three teams now. And you could look at two or three of those being a, those games being a loss, and then you gotta play the Packers and Vikings two times now. I don't know. the The Bears' schedule looks a little daunting to me, and the offense. I think that we're gonna see a lot more inconsistency out of that. I don't know if I'm expecting like a four or five win season, but I'm I'm I don't think they'll get over eight wins to be honest. If that's a bold prediction, wow. I'll make it right here. I think they're a seven and nine team. If everything goes really bad, I think they could even go six and ten, five and eleven. But that's only if everything goes like way off the the trails. If someone gets hurt or something, but I do see this as fully healthy. I think they're a seven win team. I find it interesting that because I think I think you agree with me that the Jags are going to take a step up this year, right? I do. 
So I, I can't see why you would think the um the bears would fall off so much because I think it's a very similar situation. All the only question mark is um Mitch Trubisky's um ability to just like you know like play a similar game manager role to what I expect out of Nick Foles. Like can he avoid making those those stupid mistakes that that he made last year? He made some some bad plays and. After that, I think the rest of the offense is at least serviceable. And when it comes to and when it comes to the defense, you just got to expect that they perform at a similar level that they did last year. And they and I I think you're underestimating the defense a little bit because the defense like played really well against the Rams last year. And like some I think some of these high powered they could t- steal some of these victories against some of these high-powered offense just through th- their defense and the and an, ab- an increased ability to not make stupid mistakes and kind of meld themselves into this offense in a in this next year. Now that depends on Mitch Trubisky's development a lot, and I think that's where your biggest question mark is in his ability to perform. So I understand that from your point of view, but I kind of disagree. Well, there's a couple of things there, so. Trubisky, forget Trubisky, actually. I meant to say the defense is losing Vic Fangio, who was their defensive coordinator last year, who went to go, is now the head coach of the Broncos. That's true. I, I don't think you can underestimate that at all. He was a great, uh, he would, seemed like he would had this defense ready and prepared every week to go cause havoc. And then also, you wanted to compare the Jags and the Bears. I think the NFC is way tougher than the AFC. I think. If you look at playoff teams, the NFC, I could rattle off, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, uh, Falcons, Saints, uh, Packers, Vikings, Rams, Seahawks. And that's two teams from each division. That's not mentioning like sleeper teams like the 49ers, even the Panthers, who started off the season great last year. So I, I think the NFC is just like a gauntlet. And I don't think the Bears match up well to those teams this year. And that's why I would say they're in a different position than the Jags because the Jags are playing in a division with, you know, now they lose Andrew Luck. He retires. You got the Titans who, who knows if Mariota is going to take, is going to be able to, because this is a big year for Mariota. So if he doesn't have a good year this year, he's probably not back. And who knows if he's going to be able to do that. And then, of course, the Texans who just, may, they trade away Clowney, but then, of course, they shore up the offensive line and get a great receiver in Kenny Stills. So... I just think the Jags are more, they're in a better situation. And they are similar teams. And I also think the Jags have a better running back. That Leonard Fournette goes to the Bears. I think you could probably talk me into the Bears as a playoff team. But I, offensively, I think Leonard Fournette's better than anything the Bears have on their offense. Okay. So let's get into the divisions now. So what we're going to do here is we obviously we have eight divisions in the NFL. We're going to do like a rapid fire. We're going to ask one question from each division and it'll probably relate to one, maybe two teams. And then we'll try to shore up at the end by giving our prediction on who we think is going to win that division. So we'll start with the AFC East. And my question to you, Nick, is the, are the Patriots the most complete team in the NFL right now? Um, <laughs> it's hard to say no. Like it, it really is like, like it just seems year in year out they're the most prepared team they're always at least serviceable on defense and 
Tom Brady and Bill Belichick just find new ways to, to you know, shape that offense to fit Tom Brady and make it effective against almost every defense in the NFL. Like this is this is really just an example of great long term coaching and a great relationship between a QB and coach to consistently find ways to make themselves better and improve upon themselves, even if Tom Brady is regressing talent wise, because I think it's easy to see that like Brady is not the same exact QB that he was like in years past, but he's still putting, he's still being a good, um, a good manager of that. If I could just stop you right there, if we shouldn't get too far into that point, and I feel like it's being bashed down by the media and everyone, Tom Brady was the MVP in 2017. Tom Brady threw for 500 yards in a Super Bowl no, that took but, place in 2018. Okay, okay no, no, I get it. I, I'm not, you, you didn't let me finish because like, I'm going to say Tom Brady is still finding new ways to, to exemplify himself in that offense. I'm not saying he's a bad QB. I'm just saying he doesn't have the same. But that's the thing. I think he, he is still, I think no. he's still a great QB though. I don't think no, he's no. not talent even just an wise, average. Ta- yeah. Talent, talent wise, wise. I still think he is. No, no I, I don't think so. I think he's a really great decision maker. I think he's really masterful at his position. I think he's the best of the best in that regard. When it comes to like, like you could see that his arm strength is fading a little bit. Like you could see it. It's not, it, it, it's because it's subtle because like they, they're doing a great job of like disguising it through these different schemes and through these different play types that, that, that they're running. But it, it, to say that Tom Brady is the same player he was five or, or 10 years ago, I, I, I don't, I don't see that. But he's still a masterful quarterback, whether he's at that talent level or not. He's just that good from a mental standpoint and his decision-making standpoint. That's what makes him such a great QB. That's what's always made him a great QB. But now he's had to adapt to aging as he's, go- as he's gone forward in his career. Well, my take on the Patriots is that, I, first of all, I think Brady, even talent-wise, I, I disagree with you there. I think the arm strength at time at times will fade away, but I think he'll still be able to zip a ball in there. I, we saw in the Super Bowl with that pass to Gronk inside the five yard line, he's still able to get a ball where it needs to be, and of course he's a, he's the best decision maker we have right now, in terms of making a play, scanning the fields, going through his reads, and he also he's also gotten faster. I feel like, and I know it's crazy to think about, but like Tom Brady was like. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say he's fast now, but I, he's got a little bit more, more, more mobility in the pocket. And then if we just get outside of Brady, I think this defense is stacked. I think the defensive line—they bring in Michael Bennett along with Danny Shelton. They drafted Chase Winovich. That's gonna be a pretty solid D line. Linebackers—they bring back Jamie Collins, who was a menace for them when he was with them before he got traded. Dante Hightower returns. Kyle Van Noy, who was actually pretty inconsistent last year, but had a great game in the Super Bowl. Then, of course, the Stephon Gilmore, who might be the best corner in the, the league right now. This team just doesn't really have... I would say their weakness would be their depth in O-line because they lose David Andrews, and that's a huge loss. And they're going to have to rely on Ted Karras. I, yeah, I think that's who's going to start for them. And of course, tight end, they lose Gronk, and they're going to replace him with Benjamin Watson, who's suspended for the first four games. 
But outside of that, there's no weaknesses. I don't see weaknesses. This running game is going to be ridiculous. You get Sony Michelle, a second season of him. James White's going to be a pass catcher. Burkhead obviously could bulldoze through a lot of people inside the goal line. And then you get Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Demarius Thomas. Like, man, I, I think this is the most complete team in the NFL. And it's going to be tough to see any of these teams take them. It, it, you're going to, they're going to have to pry home field advantage away from the Patriots. I feel like that's the best way to take out the Patriots this year. If you can get a home game in the divisional round, the AFC championship against them, then you're in good shape. And obviously it didn't work for the Chiefs last year. They had a home game against the Patriots and they lost. But I think as long as they're not in Foxborough, they they can be beat. But it's going to be really tough. And whoever beats them, and I'm looking at the Chiefs really, because I think the Chiefs are the only team who I'm confident in that could take down the Patriots. I think the Chiefs are going to have to have a very good game. I think their defense is going to have to show up. And that's the only way I see the Patriots losing this year. So just wrap it up. I guess we pretty much will agree that the Jets, uh, yeah, the Jets are going to win the AFC East this year. Yeah, right? word. Yeah, word. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Easy. Wanna... Easy, bro. Um. Well, I mean, quick word on the Jets. Let's just get a quick, quick word on the Jets. Oh my god. What? 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 Let's just yo, just a quick word. Oh my so, god. So you know they get in Le'Veon Bell this year, C.J. Mosley, you know draft Quinn and Williams. What are your expectations for the Jets? Um, I'm I'm guessing like in in the six and ten range, seven and nine range. That's that's my guess if I'm being honest. Well, I think you lose Avery Williams, and that's a huge loss. So I agree that the Jets are probably around that. I think I could see them getting eight wins, seven to eight wins. But hey, 2020 though, I'm ready for 2020. That's all I gotta say. But. Bills and Dolphins, do you see anything from the Bills and Dolphins this year that you're excited about or maybe not excited about in terms of probably the Dolphins? Dolphins are probably going to... They, they were a good candidate for dropping off, too. They were 7-9 and nine last season. I, I don't expect them to, to live up to that this year. And the Bills, it remains to be seen with Josh Allen. Their defense is actually solid. If Josh Allen could actually take a step up and proves he proves he's a serviceable QB, then maybe, maybe my expectations will rise for them. But as of right now, I haven't seen anything that makes me particularly optimistic about the Bills. So that's that's a wait and see type of deal. All right, so so we agree the Patriots are probably going to win the AFC East. That's our prediction for that. Let's get into the AFC North now. Now, I feel like there's one team we have to talk about in the AFC North. They're in Ohio. They they just made too much noise for us to ignore. What is going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, Nick? AJ Green is um, yeah, he's injury prone. Like, come on, AJ Green. It's it's a really tough loss to start the season. Nah, of course I mean the Cleveland Browns. They pick up Odell Beckham from a trade with the Giants. You know they bring back this loaded roster. I mean. It's tough to say loaded because they haven't really done much. They went 0-16 as recently as a couple of years ago. But as a result of them being so bad for so long, they really picked up some blue chip players in Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett. And then you get they even got another guy from the Giants, Olivier Vernier. Olivier Vernon, I always mess that up every time. Olivier Vernon. Uh, Sheldon Richardson was also a pickup. Denzel Ward they drafted in 2018 as well. 
a lot of talent on this team, Nick. Do you think they are going to be worth the hype this year? Are they going to make the playoffs? Um, I think there's a very good possibility they could make the playoffs. I don't have particularly high expectations for the Steelers and Ravens. And like when I say not particularly high, I mean like they could still they could still sneak into a playoff spot, but I don't think I think there's a higher chance that they can they can um underperform as opposed to, to recent years when they've been really solid teams. Ravens have lost a lot of pieces on defense such as CJ Mosley and Eric Weddle and the Steelers lost A B and no matter what you say about A B and we'll get into A B too later and how much of a headache he's been, he's still one of the best receivers in the league and losing that talent on your team is still a detriment. But yeah, I, I think the Browns can sneak this this division away from both of those teams if they perform to the expectations that they that have been set for them, and that's really hard to do. But if Baker comes back as strong as ever, OBJ is consistent. Like anything can happen with the Browns, and I, I think they're gonna at least be a solid team this year. Well, I'm thinking playoffs for them. I think they're gonna win that division, and what I'm most excited about. Obviously, you pick up Odell Beckham, and now you throw in with Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb, and even Kareem Hunt, who comes back after week nine or week ten. That offense is going to be great, but this defense, I think, is loaded. The defensive line is outrageous, and I think it's going to start with Miles Garrett, who, if we could do another, I'll do another prediction right now. I think Miles Garrett's the defensive player of the year for this season. I think this guy is ready. He's got athletic traits that are off the charts. His combine numbers were like, it looked like a video game. It did not look real. So you get him there in his third season. I think he's finally ready to put in some huge work. Then, of course, Sheldon Richardson is there now, and obviously he hasn't... We expected Sheldon Richardson to get paid after he gets traded to the Seahawks that one year, but he's been middling around the past couple of seasons. He was with the Vikings last season. Now he comes to the Browns, hoping to finally put in enough work that he can get this big contract he's been hoping for. And then Denzel Ward, I think, is, was one of the best rookie players of last year, including Baker. I think that he was... Uh, a very, very good lockdown type of corner. And I just see a lot in this Browns team. Now, the biggest question I have for them is, can Freddie Kitchens hold up? And not that I'm trying to question his coaching. I'm trying to question, is he going to be able to keep everybody happy in terms of, like, in ter- offensively, in terms of targets and, like, re- receptions, who gets the ball when, who gets the ball where? Now, there's so many. There's a lot of mouths to feed on this team. Uh, Odell, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Especially when Hunt gets back, you're gonna have five really quality players. Now that shouldn't be a problem. That should never be a problem. But in this case, it could be if you know a guy like Jarvis Landry just goes. You know he he's had three straight years. I'm pretty sure of a hundred reception seasons. If he gets way less targets, I'm sure he's not going to be happy about his role. I mean, if, if the Browns players can step up and just all be team players, that of course that helps too. But I think the, the big challenge is for a first-year coach with a loaded team, and can he just keep everyone happy and keep everyone happy while they put in work on the field? They also have a bit of a tough schedule, but I think they're, they're a 10-11 10, 10 win team, in my opinion. So... 
to wrap that up, who you got winning the AFC North if you don't have the Browns winning, Nick? No, I think I think it's gonna be the Browns. I think they're they're the likely. Wow. They're the likely. Um yeah, I, I just don't I don't feel as confident in the Steelers and the Ravens as I have in previous years. So and with the Browns adding all these pieces, it's really it's really tough to ignore the talent they've accrued on this team. So I'm gonna go with the Browns. See, I actually like the Steelers a lot this year. I think they are a playoff team. I just don't know if they're going to get enough wins to win the division. I think once they go head-to-head with the Browns, I think the Browns are going to win those games. I, can't, I especially can't wait for that Thursday night game that's going to be in Cleveland. That that place will be rocking for that game. as This is this finally can turn into a rivalry. I feel like we've been waiting for Steelers and Browns to be a rivalry for so long, and now the Browns are finally ready to hold up their end of the bargain. But I, I have the Browns winning division, and I'll also put the Steelers in as a playoff team with the wild card spot. So now we're on to the AFC South, and obviously Andrew Gluck retires. That throws this whole division up in flux. Titans have some talent on their team, but quarterback issues are there. Mariota, I'm a big Mariota guy, but I, last season was a really rough season. If he can stay healthy is the question, and if he can be productive is the question. So... We're looking, I think we'll both agree here, at a kind of a two-team division race. Now, I, I'm not trying to count out the Titans or the Colts completely. They they both have enough, a chance to make a run, but I think we're looking at the Jags or the Texans as the top teams in this division as of right now. So if you had to pick right now, Jaguars or Texans, who are you taking? Um, I'm going to take the Texans by a small margin. I think it could really go up in the air between these two teams, but I'm going to take the Texans because of the, um, the proven performance of last year, but we'll take that into account. And I actually think that these crazy moves that they've made over the off season have actually helped their team. I mean, Laramie Tunsil, one of the biggest concerns last year was, um, the Sean Watson's protection. And that's, amplified by the fact that Andrew Luck retired like at such a young age so that was a very important move for them and it it speaks to how Deshaun Watson played last year because he he had the most success outside of the pocket and I don't think that's just because of him as a player I think he wasn't getting the protection he needed so he was forced outside the pocket and when he was forced outside the pocket he had more time to make the decisions he needed to make. And like, so yeah, I take that into account. Texans still have a solid defense. And although I love Nick Foles, I want to see how he operates in a Jaguars defense. Because when we look back at Nick Foles career, he hasn't really had any success in any offense that wasn't on the Eagles. And I know Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson are different coaches, but that still remains the fact The the, the game plans they had for Nick Foles in those two offenses were tailored to Nick Foles. And I want to see how the Jaguars do that for Nick Foles as well. Because if they don't succeed there, you can basically like their their like um playoff contention goes down a notch. So yeah, those are the things I'm looking for out of these two teams, but because of those factors, I'm gonna go with the Texans. So I want to say the Jags. I really want to. Like I think they're a team that went to the AFC Championship two years ago with a ridiculous defense, and they return a lot of those guys from that defense. They lose Malik Jackson, which is a pretty pretty big loss. 
But I, can, I, I can't really go against the Texans. You brought up a, ro- a lot of good points, and that Laramie Tunsil trade, and you get Kenny Stills out of it. Now, they gave up a big price for it. You get uh, two first-round picks. But it, it, it was a tough trade for the Dolphins to make you lose a, a franchise left tackle just like that. And I think that's going to help the Texans grow into what they want to be as a team. They, they have their left tackle now. They have a pretty deadly passing attack. You got Fuller, Hopkins, and Kenny Stills now. It's, it's a tough, tough to take down, I think. And then, of course, you got J.J. Watt on the other side. Now the defense is going to have to step up because the Jaguars' defense, I think, will be ready this season. They feel like they were solid last season, and then their offense could just never get off the field. So, you know, I, I just don't see how the Jaguars are going to be able to overcome the Texans when the offense, while it has been improved, still has still has questions, especially in receiver. You got guys like D.D. Westbrook, who I, I think is a solid receiver, but he's going to have to be their number one receiver. And they, they're a team that drafts like primarily in the trenches, which I, I get. But at, at one of these points, you have to get yourself a playmaker. And I don't think they have that yet, besides Leonard Fournette. And I, you know, too, I, I'm kind of talking a lot about the Jaguars like negatively, but I do think this is actually a playoff team. I think they do sneak in the playoffs with like a 9-7 and seven record. It's just all about, can this defense get back to its dominant ways? Jalen Ramsey, can he be one of the best corners in the league? Kalias Campbell, can he go back to dominating? They they draft Josh Allen, who's going to be a great pass rusher, pass rusher alongside Yannick Ngakwe. So their defense is really stacked, I think, and I think the defense will make moves. And I just don't think they're at the Texans level. That that's my take on this. So are we both agreeing for the third straight time Texans are winning the division? Hmm. Yep. Wow. This is this is wild. And we better disagree one of these times because it's getting a little annoying. Honestly, you're just copying all my stuff. It's getting me tight, honestly. I remember you saying before the pod you were going to choose the Jags, so you kind of switched up. I'm just saying. I did, I did switch up, but it's like... I, I couldn't really help. Honestly, I was going to say the Jags, and then I just... I didn't want to just talk myself into that just to, you know, disagree with you. You know? Sometimes Not you're right, fair. Nick. It happens. It happens. Sometimes, Once in a while, you're right. But now we'll get to a division where you're usually wrong, and that's the AFC West. So, our question is, are there any realistic competitors to the Chiefs? Now, would you say that a team that's moving to Vegas in the next couple of seasons could be a contender to the Chiefs? Or or did something happen today that would stop them from being a contender in that division? Something did happen today. And it has to do with Antonio Brown, but, but... That's all I have to say about it, really. You know, there's nothing, nothing much to it. You know, he just, he just threatened to punch the general manager. You know, nothing, no, no biggie. Um, hopefully we get our money back, though. You know, I would like a refund. <laughs> wow, <laughs> already asking for a refund. I would like a refund uh, on that. Um, if he doesn't want that guaranteed money, I mean, he he doesn't have to have it. We we can take that back, and we'll take our two first rounders next year and, and continue bu- building around this young core. But no, I do not think they can contend with the chiefs this year. The chargers, if they find a way to compensate 
yeah, I, I know I said that they're like my likely candidate to fall off this year, but if they find a way to compensate for those losses, if the defense is still decent and they can make up like the loss of Melvin Gordon through Austin Eckler, um, increased involvement for Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, I think they can make a run for it, but that's a best case scenario for them. So I got to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with you. The Chargers would be the main competitor here. But you lose Derwin James. That offensive line isn't where it needs to be. I think we can see the Chargers take a bit of a step back. And I don't see the Chiefs at all taking a step back. I think they pick up Frank Clark and Tyran Matthew to add to a defense that was really bad. But you got guys like Chris Jones who... They're good players on that defense. It's just a matter of the secondary is a bit of an issue there. Now, I I was going to try to bring up the Broncos because I like their defense a lot. The Broncos have a very good defense this year. And every year, every year the Broncos have a good defense. And you add Vic Fangio there, I think that's that's like a legit solid defense that can end up being a top five unit in the league. But I'm just not there with the offense and the playmakers Joe Flacco is an improvement from what they've had over the past couple of years, but they still don't really have any playmakers. Philip Lindsay can be a guy there, but it seems like they also want to bring Royce Freeman into the mix. So it's not like Philip Lindsay is going to be a dominating three down running back. And then you got Emmanuel Sanders coming off an injury and he's a bit up there in age. Noah Fant was a good pick at tight end that can maybe help them in the red zone, but I don't know if the Broncos are ready to take that step and Raiders it's already shown that it's it's probably not going to work with AB. So I think that's going to be kind of a dark cloud hanging over the season. And the Chargers, I just, I don't see them. I see them taking a mini step back while I see the Char- Chiefs taking a big step up. So once again, four for four in the AFC. Pretty crazy. So we got the Chiefs winning the division. Do you want to give some play- uh, wild card teams? Because I got the Steelers and the Jags, my wild card teams. Alright guys, we had some technical difficulties, but we're back now. Um, so James asked me if what are my two wildcard teams? And I'm gonna have to go with the Jags and the Ravens. I like I said, I'm high on the Jags. I think they're gonna be my they're they're my candidate for the most improved team this season. And the Ravens, despite losing um all those pieces on defense, I think they can make up with it with that dynamic offense headed by Lamar Jackson. They also added Marquise Hollywood Brown, who's going to be a, who's going to be a dynamic piece of that offense. They have Mark Ingram, who they also added. I think that offense is going to be really filthy this year. And there's no reason I can see why they're not going to be successful on that end. And I think the defense, although it won't be as strong, can still can still compensate, can still keep up with the efficiency of the offense. To the point where they're going to be able to win a considerable amount of games. So yeah, Jags and Ravens are my picks. So now on to the NFC as we finish up the AFC. We go into the NFC East and I think we could all agree there are two main competitors here. Redskins Giants are kind of in rebuilding stages. Not Maybe not rebuilding, reloading, whatever you want to call it. They're not that bad of teams. They have talent, but compared to the Eagles and Cowboys, they're in two completely different leagues. So another question like the AFC South question, 
this with just different teams. Eagles or Cowboys, Nick? Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, I'm a big believer in the Carson Wentz comeback this year. A lot of people are. And I think he's going to put up a great year despite any, uh, like with the preface that he doesn't get injured. So that that's my pick. I think the defense is solid. I think there's a lot of weapons around him for him, for him to work with. And I think overall, they're a more well-rounded team than the Cowboys. So I'm going to have to go with the Eagles. Well, I like the Cowboys here, and I like them because I think they have a lot more young talent than the Eagles. The Eagles have more veteran-based guys who have been in the league for years now, and they're led by a young, promising quarterback. When you look at the Cowboys, I feel like all over the field, they just have young, talented players as a result of how well they've drafted since, I want to say, 2014. They've drafted very well in the first two rounds. They usually hit on their picks. And they're going to have Zeke back. They agreed to the contract yesterday. Amari Cooper remains to be seen what happens for his future. But for this year, he's going to be with the Cowboys. And him and Dak were just an incredible combination last year down the stretch. That defense is returning. Byron Jones, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, who they signed to a big deal. Those are studs all over the field, and I think the Cowboys are going to take the next step this year. I love the Eagles and what they're going to do this year. I think they're equally as talented as the Cowboys, if not more talented. But I just think the Cowboys, it's their time to finally show what they're made of, and I think they're going to do it this year. Okay, so is that our first disagreement? It, It only took us 50 minutes, but yeah, yeah, finally got one. So, um, I like the Cowboys to win that division, but I also like the Eagles to get into the playoffs as a wild card team. So, uh, do you feel the same way, or do you think the Cowboys are going to miss out on the playoffs this year? Yeah, I think they're a wild card team. All right, so now let's move on to the NFC North. And we already talked about the Packers and the Bears, so let's talk about another team who went to the NFC Championship two years ago. How about the Vikings? Are they going to be able to bounce back this season? Like, when you look at this team, there's no reason they shouldn't be good, but there's just something about the way they play, the 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 way Kirk Cousins has performed. It, it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth because you see all these yards, you see all these stats, you see all these all this data supporting the idea that the Vikings are going to be the solid team, but when you when you constantly get when you constantly get shown that that's not the case, that the results are not matching up with what the stats are giving you, you get discouraged from from taking them in this division. And I'm still I'm still I still have a sour taste in my mouth from last year. I don't put them on the same pedestal pedestal of of greatness as the Packers and the Bears this season, but that could change. Maybe they surprise me. They're pretty much a wild card, not in the sense of a playoff. I'm not going to, but they're they're a wild card team in this division, and I think they could go either way, and I think that was the sense last year, too, as the season went on. So, yeah, my opinion on the Vikings hasn't changed that much from midway through last season. I love the Vikings this year. I think they have the talent. They're NFC Championship caliber talent. 
I think Dalvin Cook is going to have a big year. I think that he was another guy who I was considering about the breakout because I loved what he did at Florida State. And now they get an offensive line that's fine, slowly and steadily getting improved. Diggs and Thielen, just a ridiculous combo. I love the draft of Irv Smith as a tight end. I think he's going to add to their passing attack. Xavier Rhodes, another guy who can probably go up there as one of the best corners in the league. And uh, you got Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin. I just think the talent is ridiculous on this team. And I can't see another season of them going 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, of course, Kirk Cousins is the big X factor here. Is Kirk Cousins able to lead a team to the playoffs and lead a team to playoff wins and not be this 8-8 eight eight guy anymore? I think Kirk Cousins has it in him. I don't... First of all, he's made the playoffs before. I feel like there's a myth that Kirk hasn't made the playoffs. He 2015, the Redskins won the division. So it's he's been there before, and I think he's going to get there again this year. I think he's got the team around him. Last year was a bit of a tough stretch to end the season. But I think this is the year that they just step up and make some noise in the playoffs. Not only just make the playoffs, make some noise in the playoffs. They have a good coach. Now, <laughs> I feel like we always talk about the Vikings kickers as a problem, and it shouldn't be that much of a problem, but it kind of is. They, they really can't seem to establish a steady special teams operation. But it, and Daniel Carlson is nice now, too. They, they caught him. Yeah, he went to the Raiders. He's a good kicker, and, yeah. It's just crazy. They just have no luck with any kind of kickers. But they're going to... I don't think they're going to be held back by a kicker. I think they have enough talent where they're going to win their games in convincing fashion, and it's not going to be three-point losses or anything like that. So I think the Vikings are a playoff team. I'm going to say they... I'm going to go out and say they win the division, actually. And I think they're a playoff team, along with the Packers in that NFC North. I think the Packers get back there as well. So those are my playoff teams already in the wild card. I got the Eagles from the East and the Vikings from the North. And now on to the NFC South. Now one team. Oh, so you're not going to, you're not going to ask me who, who I think wins the division. No, I don't really care to be honest. I'm done with that. Last time I asked you, last time I asked you something, we had like crazy technical difficulties. So I'm just past that at this point. Well, the Packers are winning the division. That's the correct answer. It's a big call. But, now onto the NFC South. Now, the Saints are probably the clear cut favorite. I don't even know if it's clear and cut anymore because they are a talented team. Really? Because I want to bring up the Falcons. I think the Falcons are an extremely talented team, and I'm gonna ask you: Are is this the year they the Saints have won the division two years in a row? Now, is this the year that the Falcons can upend them for that division crown? This is a quick answer. No. Wow. Not, wow. No. Quick, quick with it. Like the I don't see an area where the um the the Falcons outmatch the Saints. The Saints have a better defense. They overall they have a better offense to me. They have a better QB, better running back, wide receiver. Okay, you have Julio. But Actually, yeah, wide receiver, you can make the argument for the Falcons. They're probably deeper. But outside of that, I think the Saints are just an overall better team. I don't see an area of weakness where the where the Falcons can can win games convincingly against the Saints 
to the point where I think they they they're like um like they they haven't given me anything to to say that they're gonna overtake the Saints this year. Maybe in a year or two. Not well, this. here's what I think they have: health for the first time. Well, not for the first time. Last season they got decimated with injuries. That defense was a really bad unit, and I can attribute that to, you know, you lose your two safeties. They lost Keanu Neal, one of the best safeties in the league. Deion Jones, they lost him for an extended period. You lose those guys, and those guys, are the, they were the best of the best on that defense, and it was tough to fully get back from that. Now they get Grady Jarrett. They re-sign him. They have him stabilized there. Deion Jones, of course. I like Tack McKinley a lot coming off the edge. Now, all this being said, and I love I love everything about the Falcons, but I think the Falcons are going to get hurt more to the fact that the NFC is loaded. I could see the Falcons being a nine to ten win team that doesn't make the playoffs, and I think it, the biggest game, one of the biggest games they're going to play is this Sunday at the Vikings, because hey, guess what? The Vikings, I predict them to win the division, but obviously, what I predict isn't always going to happen. The Vikings could be a wild card team by week seventeen, and you know it's going to come down to a tiebreaker maybe, you know what I mean? So the Falcons are going to need to win that game. And I, in regards to the Saints, I think the Saints are a better team, and I think the Saints are going to win that division. But it's been two years in a row now. I don't know if the Saints are at the point where they have this dynasty in terms of division. Like, they're going to take the division crown every single year. Eventually, they're going to get some tough losses in that division, and it's going to set them back a little bit. That being said, it's I, I can't see them losing winning less than 11 games this year. Alvin Kamara, I think, is still getting better. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Last year, we saw in a limited fashion what he did when it was just him and without Mark Ingram in the first four games, and he was just ridiculous. That game against the Bucks just jumps out, and just what he did in receiving-wise. So Kamara's going to be great this year. Michael Thomas is going to be great. Sheldon Rankins is going to come back this year. Uh, we got who? Who am I missing right now? On that defensive line, I should know this name, and it's just I'm getting lost. Cam Jordan, Cam Jordan. There it is. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say Cam Jordan, but I wanted yeah. you to Cam Jordan, it out. Great player right there. So, in addition to Marcus Lattimore and a couple other guys, that Saints defense is very well rounded, and I think the Saints got it this year. But the Falcons are. A good team, in my opinion, and they're going to definitely compete for a playoff spot now that they're healthy. So, on to the NFC. Well, we both agree the Saints are winning the South, right? Yeah. So, on to the NFC West. And we have the team I want to ask about is the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. And the team that had one of the best offenses that you can imagine. And they run into the Super Bowl and put up three points. Like, they were just an offensive unit that took the league by storm last year. Sean McVay is touted as one of the best offensive coaches in the league, and they just couldn't manage anything in the Super Bowl. So how do you think they're going to respond to that Super Bowl loss of just putting up three points? And is it going to be something that fuels them for this season, or is it maybe a sign of things to come, especially with Gurley, who wasn't used at all in that game? Okay. I'm going to go on a mini rant. I really hate the narrative that, like, the Rams suck because they put up three points in a Super Bowl. Like, 
It's just, it's, it's one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard. Like, okay, you have a young QB in his, was it his third season? It was his third season in the league. You have a young coach who's still learning, who's still getting better each year, who's still evolving as an offensive mind. And they have the benefit. Not a lot of coach and QB combinations have this benefit of a coach evolving and getting better as a QB is evolving and getting better. The ability, the um, the privilege, I should say, to grow alongside one another is something that's going to benefit them greatly. Not a lot of not a lot of people get to enjoy that combination. And I think Jared Goff is only going to get better as a QB. I think they're only going to learn. I can't see them getting worse. It's not. I don't think Sean McVay is a coach where you just figure him out and that's it. No, he's he's shown through his play calling that he's a dynamic offensive mind, that he knows how to work against other teams' weaknesses, capitalize on certain matchups, and make the best possible um, game plan for his team. This is not something about like, okay, Rams got Rams got beat really badly. They they got they got exposed, quote unquote. They're done. No, it's it's not about that. It's about this is just another experience that's going to propel them forward and make them a better better team this year. I think they could even be better this year than they were last year. Now that remains to be seen, but I I at least expect them to play on a similar level than they have, as they have. I actually do think they're going to be a better team this year. And I think the reason why is they're still such a young group together. First of all, one narrative that I didn't like, you brought up narratives before, how about the fact that Todd Gurley is done? Like, how is Todd Gurley in any way done? Now, obviously, he they, they say it's an arthritic knee issue, but he's 25 years old. So I don't see how that's going to... Maybe that's something that affects him later down now i'm not no medical doctor or anything but sounds like something that could affect him later down the road in his career but i don't know if it's going to affect him as a 25 year old running back i think he's still got a couple more prime years left in him and then you bring back cooper cup on the offense who they liked him a lot last year the rams i think are just only going to get better Uh, you brought up sean mcveigh i love sean mcveigh i think he's going to be one of the best coaches in the league for years to come. He's still, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but Sean McVay is only 33 years old. Did you know that? I did know that. Wow. Because you know, not a lot of people know that. Sometimes it just gets lost in translation with the media, but uh, I think he's an outstanding coach and I think he's only going to get better just like the rest of his team. They're only going to get better. That's how I see you have we one guy we didn't bring up who I'm going to bring up in a pretty bold prediction later. Aaron Donald is going to just continue to be the best defensive player in the league. Uh, he was voted as the, number one, I think, in the top 100, right? Yeah, if I'm yeah, he was number one out of 100 players that were voted on, and Aaron Donald deserves it. He's he plays with strength and plays with power and speed. It's the combo that you need. For any kind of, I mean, any player, obviously, that works for but especially a defensive lineman, for him to just be able to toss O-linemen like he does, it's pretty sick. And I just think the Rams are going to be, uh, again, a Super Bowl contender this year. So, 
Would we agree that the Rams win the NF- NFC West? Um, yes, I, I think the Rams are going to win the AFC West. I mean, N- NFC West, my bad. So we pretty much agreed on all these picks. Now, did you want to mention two wildcard teams from the NFC that you thought of? Okay, so my NFC picks are the Cowboys, as I mentioned before. And my second, this is probably going to be an unpopular one, but this is how much faith I have in Russell Wilson, the Seahawks. Seahawks. Wow. I mean, hey, you pick up Jadavion Clowney. We should have probably mentioned the Seahawks a little bit as they trade for Jadavion Clowney. My issue with the Seahawks is I think their receivers, after losing Doug Baldwin, are very, very limited. Tyler Lockett's their number one, and he's a great player. But I feel like if you get a big physical corner, he can take Tyler Lockett out of the game and... After that, who are your playmakers? You know what I mean? They're going to have to rely on DK Metcalf. If he Listen, if DK Metcalf could break up, then hey, they got it there. But it's it's going to be tough to rely that much on a rookie. And I, I don't know if the Seahawks are ready to get back there, in my opinion. So I, I disagree. So but... let's get on to, before we get to the final Super Bowl predictions, a little MVP talk. Now, when I brought up Aaron Donald before this is what I was getting to. I believe that Aaron Donald is going to be the MVP of the 2019 NFL season. I think the Rams are going to be the best team in football. And I think Aaron Donald is going to be the reason behind this. Now, it's tough to give. Uh, MVP is always looked at as like a quarterback award or offensive player award. Some sort of you know skill position kind of award. But... I think Aaron Donald is now, it's now known across everywhere that this guy is undisputably one of the best defensive players in the league and one of the best overall players in the league. And I think if we see a huge production for him to get, you know, 15 plus sacks, I I think Aaron Donald will win MVP. And I think if the Rams continue to show an upward trend, which they've been doing, they start off. This whole process in 2017 with the, they win their division, losing the wild card game, and then of course last year they jump all the way up to the Super Bowl. I think the next step in this progression is Aaron Donald just completely goes off. Jared Goff takes another step up. Todd Gurley stays consistent as he's been. The receivers play well, and I think the Rams are the best team in the NFC. So that leads me to thinking, okay, MVPs, usually the award goes to the best player on the best team. I'm giving it to Aaron Donald then. Okay, so I, I appreciate the sentiment, but I do think it's going to go to a QB. Now, I don't have a particular, like, a particular player in mind, but I do have three. I think Mahomes is a strong contender to get MVP. Again, I think Carson Wentz is a big name that people are throwing around. And I'm also buying into that hype. I think he has a good chance to win MVP because of just like the team around him, his track record when he's healthy. It, it just makes sense. And my third one is a player I, I mentioned as a sleeper for MVP. And as I've thought about it, it just, it just becomes a more and more of an idea in my mind. And it's really annoying because people hate on him a lot. I think Jared Goff has a legitimate chance to win MVP this year. He has a lot of weapons to work with. He's in a dynamic offense. Like I said, I don't see them slowing down just because they lost in a Super Bowl and they put up three points. That just seems silly to me. 
I think Jared Goff has a legitimate chance to to win MVP um, if he elevates his game from last year, which was already a pretty good game. And yeah, th- those are my three main picks, my, my three favorites for MVP, if you will. Yeah, it's going to be a really crazy season. I think the league has so many young, talented players that you can make a case for a lot of guys that... I just don't want the MVP to be a strictly QB award because I just think that takes all the most valuable discussion. Now it's the most valuable position, but it doesn't always need to be the best player. You know, it should be a, an award about who the best player is and not just who's the best player at the most valuable position. You know what I mean? So, oh, I guess, I guess, yeah, you, know, I I guess you don't I know you. what I mean. All right. No, it's, it's all good. No. No, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was looking at some A B news. Oh, oh, of course, but, of course. Well, you know that's that's more important. Well, than what you now got to say. now I'm gonna right. bring up something that has nothing to do with A B news because we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl, and you know I don't think the Raiders aren't gonna even. I mean, maybe if they get tickets or something, they can you know see the Super Bowl this year, but we're gonna give our Super Bowl predictions now. These I feel like are always wrong. Uh, actually no, I feel like some I saw some people predict Patriots Rams last year and that was a good call. Uh Super Bowl predictions. Well, let's hear them, Nick. I'm gonna go with Chiefs Rams. It was either between the Rams, Eagles, and Saints for me. But and and it's a very similar prediction from last year. Like everybody was on the Chiefs Rams Super Bowl train. But I like when I look at the um I, I all the teams in the NFL, these two stand out to me the most. And the Rams have already proved that they're their Super Bowl caliber at the very least. And the Chiefs were very close to making it to the Super Bowl. So I uh, I definitely can see these two teams meeting up in the Super Bowl this year. And as of right now, that is my prediction. Oh, we're really gonna agree again. Cause I've been going back and forth like all like this. I want to say the Patriots, right? But I think that Mahomes is the type of quarterback that's just maybe the stats wise he won't get better, but he's gonna get better in other areas. And I feel like he's just too athletically gifted to get pass up another chance and at the Super Bowl. And they have a defense that is now. They have talent on there now. It's a serviceable defense, if anything. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, the running game might be a bit of an issue, and that's where it kind of makes me want to pick the Patriots. But at the same time, are the Patriots going to get to the Super Bowl for the fourth year in a row? That's what's kind of just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's it possible. Is po- it's, I feel like it's more than possible, but it's just. At, does championship fatigue ever set in for these guys? Because, like, they've never gone to four straight Super Bowls before. In this whole crazy Patriots dynasty, they've never gone to four before. Four straight. And I think that's an insane test. Now, they are talented enough for it. They can make this run. I just think this is the year they just get tripped up. And they're going to get make a deep playoff run. And I think the Chiefs are the team that will take them down. So, I got the Chiefs in the AFC. And, yeah, like... Like, I got the Aaron Donald win the MVP, and I got them, the Rams getting back to the Super Bowl. I think this team is ready for this, this kind of spotlight. Last year in the Super Bowl, they weren't ready. I think you get another year. Yeah, they lost a guy like Ndamukong Su, who was a big help for them. But 
it's only going to make Aaron Donald take an even more increased role. It's he's going to have to be a leader. He's going to have to put a, put up even more production. And they even get a guy like Eric Weddle back in the safety position who's going to help shore up them back there. Marcus Peters, another year of him. This team's got talent and it's got great coaching. And I think if Todd Gurley can give them a fully healthy season and and I'm talking into the playoffs as well. I got the Rams in the Super Bowl, so I, this podcast has been pretty ridiculous how we just agreed on, like, every single, like, your dog's barking because he's, like, mad that we just agreed on almost everything. So now I got to leave that in. Oh, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to leave that in. So, uh, okay. that's pretty much it. I guess we'll wrap up with, we got a game tonight. We got an NFL football game tonight. Who do you like, Packers or Bears? Packers. No, not Packers. I think the Packers are... Yeah, I got the Bears only because I need them for my fantasy team. Wow. But Packers, yeah. So so Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, even though I, I love them both, they can't prosper today. But it can go up in the air. I'll go with the Bears. I think that Packers defense is going to show up tonight. They're going to show the world that they're here and they're ready to make a playoff push. Aaron Rodgers will be consistent, be great as always. And I like the Packers tonight. Okay. So... We are ready for football. We hope you guys are ready for football. We hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Keep listening out for more. And thanks for stopping by. See ya, bros.